knitted became a form of meditation and relaxation and just creative expression outside of my own crazy mind. I could let go of the day and let go of the work and just just knit. That was Tabitha Hedrick, design director of Sweet Georgia Yarns and contributing editor of Creative Knitting Magazine. On this episode of the Power Pearls podcast, where you'll always hear candid conversations with everyday knitters and designers with compelling backstories. I'm Kara Gott Warner, editor of Creative Knitting Magazine, and I will dig deep and ask the big question why we started knitting and what keeps our needles going. Hey, welcome to the Power Pearls podcast. And today I have a very special treat. I am sitting with Tabitha Hedrick, and she is the design director for Sweet Georgia Yarns. Tabitha lives by the belief that joy comes when fully participating in the present moment. And especially when she's immersed in the world of fiber. Yay, yarn. <laughs> so she is also a contributing editor for Creative Knitting. So Tabitha and I work very closely together on the magazine. Uh, she designs knitwear, spins yarn. Uh, she writes fiction plots. Uh, and she's raising two young girls. And, and she has a dog. And she lives in Colorado, by the way, if you didn't know that. So I would like to welcome Tabitha Hedrick. Thanks. Hi. How's it going? Oh, it's going really well. And uh, I'm so glad that you joined me today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited. Yeah. So I shared a little brief intro about you. So now I want to turn it over to you and fill in the blanks so you can provide a little more detail about the story of you. The story of me, that's a sordid affair. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been uh, knitting for, oh my goodness, I'm trying to think. It's been over 10 years now since my daughter just turned 10, uh, designing for about eight of those years. Um, and only recently in the last five years, have really just started morphing into um, more of a writing tutorial, editorial type role uh, with it all. And you've mentioned I just recently accepted a job with Sweet Georgia as their design director, where I'm overseeing uh, basically everything to do with all the patterns, um, from collections to yarn support to communications and tech editors and designers and all of that good stuff that comes in with putting something together. Um, I'm also the um, editor for Creative Knitting's online newsletter, which keeps me really busy coming up with the tutorials and all the trending topics that we want to share with the world. I stay pretty busy as your contributing editor for Creative Knitting Magazine, and that's, again, more tutorials and writing and um, just really getting down into the nitty-gritty of why fiber is awesome. So I stay pretty immersed in the fiber realm. Yeah, I would say so. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like to call you my sidekick in crime because, you know, you're like, you're like one of my go-to girls or maybe my, the go-to girl, um, you know, and seriously, because 
you know, with, with the creative knitting newsletter and you just, you just come up with these brilliant topics and tutorials and you really know how to engage the audience. I mean, seriously. And, uh, I just, I never have to worry, you know, I'm like, Oh, whatever Tabitha does is going to be fantastic. <laughs> That's um, my goal. Exactly. And, you know, um, you know, even when we work together in the magazine and this is, you know, for any designers out there, I mean, it, the thing that I love about Tabitha is that she's, um, you know, she knows how to, you know, she can fill a hole, you know, and if there's anything that I'm missing, you're willing to work with me and kind of, we go back and forth and kind of come up with solutions. Um, and, and I think what's really, uh, really amazing is that, um, you know, you can partner with other designers, do tutorials for them. We did that a couple right. issues, more than a couple issues ago now. And that, that really worked out so well, you know? Uh, yeah, that was wonderful. Because, you know, we're leaning more and more towards uh, tutorial uh, tutorials instead of patterns because you know the truth is and i've said it before you know patterns are becoming a commodity i mean this is the yeah. truth it's a problem because of all the free patterns out there and so in creative knitting we just want to do so much more and offer that that special experience where they have that tutorial they have that story you know and so you're one of those people that really helps tell sto those kind of stories and you take your your own photography which is fabulous yes. Yeah, I'm a jack of many trades, I, <laughs> I say. Uh, I do my own photography, but I think um, I think what even makes our partnership all the more special is that I think both of us really are able to get it from the knitter's point of view. You know, we the tutorials work and the the and it's not hand holding it's just that understanding of what new knitters and beginning knitters and even the intermediate and some of the advanced knitters need is the story behind it and the inspiration and the motivation and i feel like we are able to through our partnership really infuse all of our work with that absolutely so all right well i'm going to switch it up just a little bit so i okay. want to jump into sort of like that pivotal time, you know, that moment when you first discovered knitting, you know, because I like to ask this question, you know, what was that pivotal moment that that kind of catalyst or whatever you want to call it? Um, because I think as knitters, we all have a special story. Maybe it's, you know, a positive thing, or it, it maybe was like during a scary time in your life when you had loss, you had, you know, just a change, there was a change in your life. So, you know, Go ahead and really dig deep on this. If you, you know, just share a story, share that story with us. I wouldn't say it was a pivotal moment in my own personal life per se, but it is um, the, when I learned how to knit is one of the most prominent memories that I have of my own life. Um, at the time I was working in the social services field finishing up college as well. And it, I specialized in, with in working with children with reactive attachment disorder, or RAD for short. Um, and that's a disorder where, whether it's due to neglect or abuse, um, uh, too many people disappearing, um, where the child's not able to develop any um, attachments to a primary caregiver. And the result of that is that they are no longer able to develop an attachment to anyone. So loss of empathy, zero compassion, uh, very controlling, manipulative behaviors because they're trying to control their own environment. It's a heartbreaking, difficult field to work in. Um, and it's hard for the families. It's a hard, it's just everything about it's hard. Uh, and unfortunately, the rewards 
are very few and it's a very strenuous, stressful type of job to have. Uh, anyway, one of my clients at the time was learning to knit in school and so I thought it would be just a good idea for her to be in a teaching sort of role for once, you know, do something to give back. And so I asked her to teach me and she's really excited about it. And uh, I had no idea the level of uh, contentment and joy that it would bring me so instantly. Uh, she's teaching me how to knit and I just feel like the whole world has suddenly opened up to both of us. It was just instant love. Um, not only did I discover an outlet for my creative energy that had been pent up for what felt like a really long time with college and social services and uh, being a young married woman struggling to, you know, maintain a household and have money for food. Um, but I discovered how healing it was that knitting became a form of meditation and relaxation and just creative expression outside of my own crazy mind. I could let go of the day and let go of the work and just, just knit. And it also had a reward. And remember I said rewards were few of connecting me to my client in a really new special way. That's cool. Well, and you know what you said, um, healing, did you say you mm -hmm. use the word healing? Yes. You know, because it's, and that's, that's really an amazing, well, it's kind of a, buzzword you know these days in it is knitting buzzing, yes because cyca craft yarn council uh mm -hmm. a couple of years ago started a campaign for you know knitting craft crochet yes. crafting for your health and you know it's been proven i mean health and wellness professionals are backing this up there's oh, like absolutely. data there's data mm -hmm. that shows i mean maybe it's brain waves maybe it's you know there's all the different different types of uh you know um, things that they were they were uh, talking about in in some of these videos that you can actually watch mm -hmm. on the uh, Craft Yarn Council website, and uh, you know it's the truth. I mean, uh, I think even the new knitting is the new yoga was something that was trending probably now a couple of years back, more than a couple of years ago. But right. it's so true; it's not going away. I mean, it's you know, and I, that's why I really like to kind of start here with this because. Uh, you know, it helps people to get over, you know, you know, or, or work their way through loss and as and change. And it's, it's a, it's um, an activity that many go to, you know, for refuge from, you know, maybe they're trying to even break a habit, you know? Right. So thanks for sharing that. No problem. So as a, a designer slash business owner, what would you say is your biggest struggle? And I say that in caps because, you know, <laughs> share it, let it out, you know. <laughs> so I have to narrow it down to one. <laughs> now, my biggest struggle um, is this crazy, crazy drive I have to do it all. You know, we mentioned I spin yarn, I'm trying to write, I photography. Um, I, I try and do it all. And that's that's one of my own personal problems with it, um, which has put me at risk for losing the joy that knitting holds for me. Uh, in fact, it's something that uh, probably within the last year or so has really caused me to reevaluate my business goals and determine a new path for myself. Um, it's really difficult to live deadline to deadline and force myself to power through these obscene amount of hours because knitting is not a quick task at all. Um, and I'm not exactly a prolific or innovative designer, uh, so the recognition or the fame, if you will, hasn't really equated to the same amount of work I've put in. Not that I'm looking for fame, let me make that clear. <laughs> uh, what I mean is, is um, you know, I'm, 
I was working my fingers to the bone and really in that whole process of just trying to get it all done and to do as many designs as I can and to be in as many publications as I can, I was losing myself along the way and I was losing why knitting was important to be, me to begin with. Um, and so as a consequence here recently, uh, my inner muse decided to issue me a very vicious mental slap and insisted that if I didn't change something, she's going to leave me. <laughs> so, so I made some changes and the first was to um, start redirecting my energies on the skills that I'm very, very good at and that I handle very well over the long term and that let me set up a more focused calendar, I guess. Um, and that's, you know, everything from planning, management, writing, big picture vision, coordination, communication. I'm just, I'm really good at those things. Uh, and so I'm lessening the role that designing plays in my business and letting it become more of a special event um, just because I want to keep knitting as a healing, loving, beautiful moment. It's not just yarn over needle for me. It's knitting with my heart and soul again. Absolutely. I mean, I feel the same way. I mean, yeah. you know, and that's the thing, that's the danger that, you know, we kind of run into yes. when you turn your passion into mm -hmm. a business and that goes for any, you know, knitting, anything, you know? Right. And so, um, you know, I had made that sort of promise to myself when I became editor of creative knitting, because I walked away from designing. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, that I would keep knitting as this place, this sacred place, you right. know, for me. And I will, I will design for the <laughs> magazine from time to time. And yeah. every, honestly, every time I kick myself, because I'm trying to run a magazine and I've got a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah. going on, man, you know? Um, and then be because, you know, why I kick myself because of the deadline aspect, right. um, the magic is in, even though, yeah, designing is where the magic is for me. And then after that, it fizzles right. or sitting down and knitting just for the sake of knitting, you know, mm -hmm. but then I, when it comes to the deadline, the writing, the pattern, oh my goodness, why, 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 why <laughs> did right, I do this to myself <laughs> when I don't have to do it? You know, yeah, about 60% of the designers I know who actually hit all of their bucket list mm -hmm. items, you know, then they get to this point where, okay, I've done it all. Um, I, and I hate 60% of the work. So yeah. why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah. And you it know, wasn't, you know, and I don't mind. I actually enjoy the pattern writing process. Um, I don't mind any of it. Um, and it was just the, it was too much time invested in trying to do it all rather than doing it for myself. Uh, so I was, I'm lucky in that I was able to take the different skills and be able to, put it into staying within the fiber industry as the new path of my business. Mm -hmm. You know, and you said something else that was uh, really, uh, really important about your taking your talents using, you know, your skills and your talents or something like that, because yeah. this is something I, I heard recently, I heard this, this a while ago, but I think um, more recently was uh, Darren Hardy, you know, he's the CEO and publisher of Success Magazine, and he uh -huh. had mentioned the, uh, and he has a great book, you know, it's called The Entrepreneur, Entrepreneurial Roller Coaster, or something like that. Oh, and I'm he also, down, so you I write it down. <laughs> we always do this, and, you know, so I figure, why, you know, hey, Thanks, share Jennifer. the world. But <laughs> whenever right. we talk, you know, Tabitha, you and I always have these, uh, you know, inter exchanges with lots of resources and books. Always. And then he wrote another book called The Compound Effect. I've heard of that one. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and he's written others. Um, but anyway, the, 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 he's, he mentions this, these, you know, 
identifying your skills and talent, you know, now he does, he's an advocate of, you know, passion, follow your passion, like you have to do what you love, or else it's like you're going against the grain, and you're rowing up stream. And but he says also in that you have to identify your special skills, Mm -hmm. you know, and your talents and how how these emerge, these kind of combined passion, skill, talent, right? Right. And then um, also, protecting your productivity time. I thought that was so awesome. He said this on a podcast. I was listening to The School of Greatness with Lewis Howes. Lewis Howes, I think that, yeah, that's how he says his name. Lewis Howes. (laughs) Yes, sorry if, you know, he's listening and I doubt it, but I listen to so many podcasts, you know. But The School of Greatness, and he was interviewing Darren recently. uh, And um, and so he used, and this was just brilliant. It helped comfort me. Uh, because he says you, you we must if you want to achieve things you have to protect your productivity you have to protect that time you you know that disciplined time to put on the butt glue and sit there you know we, oh, we've absolutely. talked about that on the morning cool down we talk about butt glue a lot right yes. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. has been on the morning cool down that's my other podcast check it out um, people. yeah awesome. and uh so uh where was i going with this so yeah he uh um, so yeah, I, I guess I, oh yeah, the, the, uh, the episode, uh, with, with, uh, um, the Lewis Howes episode. And so he says, so pr- protect the productivity time because we live in an era of epic distraction. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh you know? my goodness. Yes. And, <laughs> and this came to me, I was listening to this on a day that I needed it because I was dealing with epic distraction. I was restless, you know, I couldn't feel, um, I couldn't get sad. I wasn't satisfied. I was just restless. You know how restless feels really icky? Yes. Like you bop around. Oh, should I do this? No, do that. Yes. No. Oh, I'll do this. And then, like you just can't settle your, your it mind. It hits me when I'm nearing the end of a big project exactly. and I'm ready to get rolling on something new. Yeah. That same unsettled, this isn't working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it came to me when I needed it. And when I just heard the way, especially this, that word protect, you know, the protecting your productivity, because yeah. on this particular day it was restless, but it was also a really nice day and it was on a Saturday and that was supposed to be a big work day for the podcast, editing, all that stuff. And I'm looking out the window and I'm like, Oh, the boys are playing um, ball, kickball, and then I, then of course I go into the guilty mom thing. Oh, yeah, I'm such a terrible mother. I should be yeah. out there. <laughs> yes. So anyway, you know, and that's a that's a girl thing. That's a woman thing. That's a mom that thing. Is. Right? Yep. And so oh, it is. Know. You know, you got to take care of what you know you, your intention is and do right. it and uh, set that time that you're going to do it. Promise yourself. Make Absolutely. a commitment. Do it, and then go play ball. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. No, I like that. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like I had to, to morph that into protecting my creativity there for a while, which mm-hmm. is why I, I felt like I, it was time to shift gears mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just for those purposes. I needed to be productive in new ways. I needed to protect my creativity. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, I should have asked you this question first instead of the biggest struggle, but the, but I wanted to ask you though. Uh, do you remember the moment that you knew or like, maybe it was a gradual thing, but like, you, you know, cause I can re- kind of remember like for myself, like when I knew knitting, I wanted to make, to make it my, my, you know, make a living somehow surround myself. But, you know, 
was there a time or a moment that you knew that you, you were like, okay, maybe you didn't know it could be a business, but you're like, I want to make this a business and I'm going to figure it out, man. Do you remember? <laughs> Mine was a specific conversation. <laughs> That happened. I had just moved to Colorado. I'd only been here about three or four months. And I'm knitting. It was the winter, so it was snowing. So I took the kids to play uh, inside at McDonald's. Don't judge. Don't judge. Um, anyway, I'm sitting in there. And this English woman, and I'm knitting. And this English woman comes up to me. And she says, she starts talking to me about my knitting. And she says to me, uh, have you ever thought about designing? And I'm like, designing what? <laughs> she she said knitting patterns you know for magazines and yarn companies and I slammed my hands on the table and I looked at her and I'm like you can do that <laughs> so, I know who you're talking yeah, about her name is Jill Wright and one of the most prolific amazing designers that I know uh, personally and professionally um, and so she gave me her card because her friend that she was waiting for showed up and I went home and I said to my husband I said I met this strange English lady at McDonald's, and she said that I could actually make a little bit of money designing. And he said, designing what? <laughs> and I said, you know, knitting patterns. He said, for who? <laughs> for magazines. I had never, it never crossed my mind. I always thought magazines were in-house designers or, you know, some big fashion house thing. And and so I said, I'm going to email her. And I emailed her and she sent me, I think at the time it was probably a knit scene or interweave call. And I submitted the most god-awful proposal, I'm sure, on the planet. Of course, it was rejected. Um, but it just, suddenly I was just filled with this fiery burning desire to make it in the knitting industry. I didn't, whether it was going to be a designer or what, I knew it was starting as a designer. I didn't know where my end path, nobody knows where their end path is going to be. But, um, And so I, I read every single book I could find at the library and I dug up everything you could possibly find on the internet and I found up some mentors and I took some classes and and then my first magazine submission was creative knitting that was accepted <laughs> oh I <laughs> was just gonna ask you when because of <laughs> course I was very first yeah I wasn't the editor back then nope mm -mm. and I know uh yeah because I was like what is what was the first magazine yep. <laughs> <laughs> it was creative knitting I think uh Barb Bettany's was the editor oh. and she was so sweet and she's you know just very encouraging to knowing mm. I was a new designer uh and creative knitting has always been that way very um not catering but just understanding of the new knitter and and also the new designer and really just encouraging from that so that's you know you came on board and I started working head on with you and loving every minute and that's when you offer me things I think back and I remember creative knitting was my first submission heck yeah I got your back lady <laughs> yeah. well I actually um you know, speaking of new talent, you know, I recently spoke to Trisha Malcolm, you know, on mm -hmm. this podcast. Love. Oh, I can't wait to hear that one. Uh, I love her. Yeah, you'll have to check it out. And, uh, and so, just bomb. yeah. And so, you know, uh, about new talent, you know, and, and I, I completely agree as an editor, you should never like disregard someone that's new and fresh, you know, that they're, that they're just starting out that, you know, because sometimes they're just this diamond in the rough, they're prolific, they have these right. ideas, and you have the ability to really, you know, they're just not jaded. I don't know, I shouldn't yeah. say that. But um, <laughs> no, they're just so, uh, yeah, I mean, the, 
open-minded and yes. so interested in, in learning the ins and outs and uh, how to do it right, how to design right. So, um, yeah, I'm always on the lookout for a new gem. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so. recently had a submission call myself for the upcoming fall collection for Sweet Georgia and so many submissions coming in, but there's one that really stood out. I didn't accept his design, but I was just so enamored with his effort and his um his his letter. He was he's young, he's 16 and just getting into designing and and his submission was this you know, just the sweet, endearing letter. And I just, all I wanted to do, you know, most people, when when I reject a design, I always say, uh, sincerely, you know, that I love the work, I just couldn't fit it in. Um, but him, I, I wrote a little bit of a longer paragraph of some tips and, you know, I just really wanted to nurture him and so that I hope he is inspired to continue to try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. I love those stories. <laughs> yeah. And I especially like it when, because I can remember when I was uh, accepted my first design and I was like really holding back my excitement. It was actually, it was Family Circle Easy Knitting, oh, which was a, a Soho publication, if anyone right. knows, but I mean, Vogue Knitting, the publisher that publishes Vogue Knitting <laughs> used to publish uh, that magazine. And, um, and I did a little tiny, um, you know, little baby hat, little kid's hat in this winter whites section. And I was thrilled. I was like over the moon. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm getting paid too. Like they're, pay- <laughs> they're sending me yarn for free. Right. <laughs> and they're paying me? Really? It's- like, get out of here. Yep. That's and what it felt like for me too. And back in those days, you got a phone call. Oh, wow. You know, instead of an email. Yeah, and I remember... That was the most amazing phone call I ever received. Yeah, so the I think phone Soho call still does phone calls because it was really, yeah, not recently, oh. but they've called me at least mm, three times for some of mine. Just maybe. a quick, hey, Heather, we want you to do this. I'm like, wow, Soho just called me. Now that's a feeling. <laughs> I think I think you're right. I mean, because I I've only been in Vogue knitting once, but right. um, I think I remember a phone call. You know, and it's it's changed a lot. And that was that was a conversation that I had with Trisha. It was a the, how email has changed the quality. Um, it's almost like it's too laid back. It's there's something, you know, like you put in the intention to mount your swatch on cardstock and, and intentionally go to the post office, get in your car, you know, do all this stuff, pay the, for the postage. You know, that's that's serious intention. With an email, it's easy to be, oh, you know, I had to hurry. Okay, there's the deadline. I better hurry up and submit to the magazine. And um, and I think sometimes that we, you know, I don't know. I think I, I sent, you know, sense that it's sort of a, um, you know, I get kind of some mediocre designs. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we did too. And the, and it's the ones that come in last minute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we work around that the best we can and look for those those diamonds, right? That's right. It's really true. It's and like there. that was a th- that that's it. I mean, I I am always looking for those those kind of designers that can be the go to the go to girls, yeah. you know, because I there's always holes to fill always in a magazine, you know. Absolutely. So anyway, uh, do you have a quirky way that you knit? <laughs> Hmm, I don't I don't think I'm quirky. 
I think I'm pretty average in that. You should ask Jill, if you ever interview Jill Wright. She's the weirdest knitter I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe <laughs> now, like, do you have like survival tactics? Like I know, no, you know, I, I'm like, ah, oh, I need to knit now and I have nothing but twigs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know? I, I've used, you know, uh, random things in my car or the kids toys just so mm-hmm. I can track something or mark something or fix something. I've, I've done that a lot, but I think, probably the quirkiest thing about me is that I knit everywhere. And I mean, Mm. literally everywhere at the park in traffic jams. Don't judge. Oh yeah. No, I, I do the same (laughs) thing. I used used to love table at restaurants, even in meetings. Yeah. I used to get these side side, side, side eyed glances when I'd go to PTO meetings at my kid's school and I'd knit through it. I'm not sitting there listening for this. I'm going to (laughs) knit. Yeah, so I I would say that's probably, well, other than my ridiculous personality, that's the quirkiest knitting thing mm-hmm. about me. Well, that was sort of like, it's a dual question here. So it's like, if you don't have a quirky style, it's the funny, <laughs> funny, unusual story. So that's how I'll phrase it in the future. And you, because you already said, well, funny or unusual or, you know, yeah, whatever. It's yeah. knitting wherever, wherever you go. I knit, I've knit in crazy places too, you know, and like, yeah, uh, many, many. If, just in everywhere. the movies, if I can. Oh, I always do. You know, it's hard to see, but if you're doing some simple stockinette, you can feel it. No, I'm a pro. I Uh, even do cables in the dark at the movies, baby. Yeah, that's right. Stop. (laughs) I I think, yeah, I think if you maneuver your, you you know, you you really work it, you can do it. Yeah. If if you have a mission, you can do it. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Well, I do have a funny-ish story about my first uh, gauge lesson <laughs> that I ever had. Um, if you can consider it funny. I just I found this gorgeous Ann Bud cardigan pattern, and uh, I bought this amazing Angora yarn blend. I can't even remember the name of the company, but it was so soft and furry, and it was just so it was just so beautiful. And and so I did knit up a swatch. I did do that. Unfortunately, I did not grasp the meaning of finished gauge versus working gauge. And so I measured my swatch hot, hot off the needles. Um, and I knit my sweater and I wore it proudly for the first couple days. It was a circular sweater, so there wasn't any seaming. And and then, and then I go to wash it for the first time. And I was good. I was a good girl. I used to no rinse wool wash, and I laid it flat to dry. And I was careful not to squeeze it or stretch it. Um, but unfortunately, that beautiful angora turned into a tent that hung to my knees <laughs> with, that fir- <laughs> with that first washing. Uh, so that's when I discovered the hard reality of finished gauge swatches and why you should block them. But I tell you i wore that sweater as big as it was and it was really really big and it grew every time i washed it i wore it for three years <laughs> yeah oh my goodness yeah i remember doing a sweater like that for like an ex-boyfriend and and it grew on him and it got really long it was alpaca okay that makes yeah. sense but it's oh, amazing yeah. we learn you know we learn yep. ah alpaca grows That's you know angora really whatever. grows Same. crazy um yep. And I was just going to mention something about blocking. It's not about the growing, but this is a question for you. And if you don't know it, maybe someone out there in podcast land knows. But, um, well, is I didn't realize, like, you could block something. Like, well, it's like wool. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that, um, you know, let's say you start with a, a piece that's a 20, 20 inches across, uh, 
20 inches across the chest mm-hmm. and it shrinks down to 18 inches right. after blocking. I mean, can that happen? Someone just told me that that Absolutely. happened. It will. From blocking? Shrink they, down? Yes, there are things that shrink. Now, Unless it's stretched and uh, maybe, but then it could have, maybe in the length. If you stretch it really lengthwise, then you're going to get but narrower. But width-wise, no, but I'm, width. well, you know, that's a good point because Just the natural maybe, of things. Um, but the gate. I have seen wool shrink. It depends on how with hot. With blocking. It, no, yes. but it's not. It's wet. It's wet, hmm. cold blocking. Interesting. I have seen. I have seen it happen. Well, it just happened for a design in the magazine, um, but I think it looks great. We just wanted it a little bit bigger. Yeah. And so the designer said the wackiest thing happened where they were knitting this, you know, oversized T-type mm-hmm. piece, and it went from, it was actually 22 inches wa- wide, the stitch right. gate, I mean, you know, the, I'm sorry, the chest mm-hmm. measurement, and it blocked it blocked down to 18 inches across well my first instinct is four inches my first instinct is she didn't measure her initial gauge swatch correctly that's my first instinct Uh, because that's quite a lot for it doesn't make any sense Um, and i said really and she said yeah this happens i'm like really really uh, that's that's a little that's a little on the weird side i will also say though that there are i know here in colorado it gets so dry and then the minute we have any moisture of any kind it's suddenly so humid and so we're going from severe dry to and i will have gauge differences just in that fluctuation it's the same thing that they talk about you know if you build wood in colorado where it's so dry Mm -hmm. and you move to say north carolina where it's so humid your wood will crack because it's built for that dry temperature, mm-hmm. not you know, and, and it gets used to acclimated to it. So I know that there can be minute, I mean, maybe an inch or two of variation in my swatch gauge and knitting just because of that reality. But I also plan ahead for that. Um, but four inches—that's an awful mm. lot. That yeah. to me it feels like a a miscalculation in the beginning. Yeah, there's something something wacky about that. You know, yeah. anyway, yeah. so that, that, that's leaving me in a little bit of a quandary or a little bit of a, like, or she accidentally hmm. used the wrong needles while she was knitting the project versus when she's knit the gauge swatch. Now I have done that at least <laughs> twice. <laughs> yeah. Well, that happened to another project. It's really kind of funny. Like there's, you know, I think we can work around it, but it's the body was knit. And they even, they said, I'm so sorry. We knitted the sleeves in a different gauge, different needles. And you, you can kind of tell, but it's like, wow. Yeah. So I guess I can totally see that, especially if you're, you know, you're done with the body, you know, you're making a garment and then you got busy with something and then you pick up your needles because you were done. You put the and other needles down. You're like, which needles, one did yeah. I? Yeah. So, um, That's yeah. That's <laughs> copious copious note taking i am just i have learned too many times how idiotic things can have drastic mistakes so mm-hmm. these in the last two years i've really fine-tuned i write every little thing down i write my mm-hmm. working gauge down i write the needles down i write everything down mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. i don't keep it <laughs> after the pattern's written so if you a year from now you say how'd you do this i don't know <laughs> But yeah, copious note taking. Copious. You just can't take enough notes. I know. Step. 
I'm a lazy note taker yeah. when it comes to knitting because I'm just oh. too excited. <laughs> I and then a- I, I just I'm like, really? Like, because uh, every time I, you know, I get into a design design mode, I'm like, oh, f- I'll remember. <laughs> and I have, I have a lot of friends that say that too. And I used to have that attitude until I used the wrong needles. <laughs> something. And then I said, that's not working for me. No. Uh, and speaking of, I had a sample knitter knit a pair of socks for me once. Um, and she sent me a picture, you know, with her cell phone and they looked great. Teeny tiny on the cell phone picture till I got them and they fit my head. <laughs> and what had happened was that she fought, she assumed that, you know, six stitches per inch for the socks was, I don't know, six inches equals four inches. I don't know, but <laughs> You know, that was, that's one of the most, at least you don't have to worry about that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have any, too many wacky stories, although I do have one, this isn't really wacky. I mean, it's just like when I was a new editor, this was when I was working on Annie's hardcover books and I had a designer send in one sock. (laughs) You know, she's like, well, you wanted a sample, like, uh, like, you know. The sample, the garment, the, you know, we call it, we call it a sample in the industry, right? (laughs) And one sock. One sock. Just one sock. Oh, did it fit though? That's what counts. Well, it did. And she did end up, she had, (laughs) it did fit. No, it was a very, very well constructed sock, but she, no, she, she did do another one, but it was really funny. It was just sort of like, really? Yeah. Okay. I'll do the other socks. Like, you know, this is your design. It's got your name on it. You know, we want to make it look great on a pair of feet, you know? Right. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's just, it's funny. Um, okay, so what advice would you give someone if there's, they want to start out in the industry? Let's say there's some, you know, designers out there really trying, you know, to, to, to hustle, like, you know, but it's just like nothing's happening. There's no traction, um, you know, or maybe there's just someone thinking, wow, you know, I'm listening to the story. Uh, and I love knitting and it would be great to, you know, mm-hmm. turn it into something, you know, turn it into a business. Uh, that is so hard. Cause there are so many, so much advice, so much mm. to tell people. Uh, the biggest thing though, uh, we've mentioned the copious notes. <laughs> the biggest thing though is professionalism in every way. I mean, from that first email reaching out to somebody to the proposal that you put together, don't let it be a four-page ramble of poor spelling and poor grammar, to when you're meeting somebody in person and you have a firm handshake and you make great eye contact. And it's just that that level of professionalism is so, so critical. And it's those seemingly very little things, you know, the good spelling, the eye contact, the meeting the deadlines first time every time that's what really makes you stand out to people who need reliable informed and conscientious partners in everything that they do well said that was amazing thank you for that advice no problem no problem Mm -hmm. okay so what is the best advice you've ever received tabitha Mm. Uh, it actually relates to the advice i just gave a little bit um it's that my mentor said to me, it was my first TNNA show, which and for those of you who don't know, TNNA is the National Needle Arts Association. And every year they have uh, two, two annual trade shows where 
everybody gets together in the publishing, yarn, fiber, product, everything industry, and they all come together. And that's a really great place to really uh, make your first impression on an editor or a design director to be able to get in with a company. Um, And so the best advice that I got was for that show, and I came home feeling confident because she said, whatever you do, make your first best, most professional presentation. When you come home, you may not get work right away. That doesn't matter. It's when they think of you a year from now, they're going to remember that first meeting. Every every connection you make is going to take a little time to come into play, but they all come into play because we're such a small industry. So just remember that. when you, If your, impre- your first impression is great and professional, you're not going to get something within a week, but you will get something. Absolutely. And so, I have to say, if it wasn't for TNA, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be sitting in my chair every day at work. You know, I wouldn't be at the yep. helm of creative knitting because I, um, I mean, that's where I met, you know, many designers. I met the people I work for. Yep. I've worked it. I mean, I hustled. I, I got on that show floor and I scheduled myself from, you know, the time those doors opened until the time you know, I collapsed in bed, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know how it is. So you're yep. spending that money or going there, just I am setting up interviews ahead of time. Go in there uh, as professionally as possible, firm handshakes, great eye contact, have, um, have portfolios ready to share that look mm-hmm. fabulous and just know that every connection you make is going to be worthwhile later. All of my best work, all of it from becoming contributing editor to creative knitting to becoming designer for design director for sweet georgia to getting into vogue knitting to publishing my books it all 100 percent of it came from those early meetings that i made at tnna absolutely yeah it's it's such a valuable valuable thing if anyone is thinking of getting into this yes for a living it really is. It's a, and then you, it's like you're me, you, you know, you have all these friends. I mean, every time I go to that <laughs> show, it's like we run, you know, ready to hug, like running yes, across the show it, floor. It reminds us we're oh. not alone in this anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's a really special industry, mm-hmm. I think. You know, some people could say otherwise that, you know, but, but like in any industry business, there's going to be the negative and there's going to be the positive. But I think that we're in a really blessed place, a really wonderful industry. And I'm happy to be a part of it. Me too. Me too. So can you now share one of your personal habits that contributes to your success? And I mean like one really, you know, just overarching habit that you have that really Um, helps you. A habit that I started 544 days ago, to be exact, (laughs) is waking up bloody early. (laughs) Um. And it, I, I read this book called The Miracle Morning by Hal, Hal Elrod. And, and it sounds really just, I mean, it's a no-brainer. We all know we should meditate. We all know we should read self-help books. We all know we should exercise, yada, yada, yada. And his premise is really a no-brainer as well. Get up early and make yourself do it. And so it really hit home to me. And my friend and boss lady, Miss Caragot Warner, um, <laughs> I had been reading on her blog how she wakes up early so that she can run and meditate. And I said, huh, I wonder if that will help me. And so <laughs> so I decided I'm going to do this. And my husband's like, you're going to get up at 530 in the morning? What is wrong with you? <laughs> and I said, 
yeah, I'm going to do this and it's going to be awesome. And the first 30 days were pure T-H-E double hockey sticks because I don't know if I can cuss on your podcast. So I'll just say that. <laughs> uh, so anyway, what I do is my habit is I wake up early. I wash my face. I make myself a cup of coffee. I pray. I journal. I read a spiritual book and I meditate. And I know that sounds all real woo-woo-y, but it really, it just, it helps ground me before the hustle and bustle of the day. And it reminds me to take time for what's important. And it just deepens everything that I do. And then right after that, I pull out my calendar and I plot my day. And I'm very strategic planning my to-do list so I can maximize my productivity and still maximize my creativity. Uh, And so that habit of just getting up about an hour and a half earlier than the rest of the household where it's quiet, it's calming, it's just me, it's just me in the universe getting oh, ready for the day. That's great. Yeah, and you know, I just recently heard on a another podcast, mm-hmm. um, it, it's actually uh, Gretchen Rubin, she has a podcast called Happier. Oh, yeah. That one down See, I'm, I'm paying a lot of stuff forward. I can't help myself because I just, you know, these are really valuable little nuggets I'm sharing too. Right. Um, so, because I know we all want to be happy, right? That's right. And um, she talks about finding your special space, right? And so like referring this to like when you were a kid, you know, you had that special place, that tree house or that little doll, you know, that little whatever you want to call it. I was going to say doll house, but like you know, like that place you would get away to. Um, And so for me, like you said, the morning, uh, it's the same for me. The room that I'm actually recording this in, this is my craft room, my meditation room, my, it's, it's like my sanctuary. And it is my special space. It really, really is. Because, and I found that years ago, uh, and really became a serious morning person, morning, you know, rising early, after I got my job at, uh, you know, with creative knitting, because about six months into my job, I remember feeling burnt out because I was, I was used to being self-employed for years. And I uh, hadn't, you know, I was like nine to five thing, really actually eight to five. And I'd roll out of bed with enough time to get ready and go. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, crying. Yeah, you flail. I, I call it flailing through the day. <laughs> yeah. And so, and then, well, you know, that was the lesson I had to learn. And it was like, oh, you know, I need to create my special space. That time it worked wonders. It was like a miracle in my life. So as Hal Elrod says, you want to, you know, make it so that you wake up like it's Christmas morning, you know, find that thing that makes you excited because you will be excited. You're doing something for yourself, you know. Absolutely. It's it's my favorite time of the day sitting there and I, my husband's waking up a few times early and seen me journaling. He's like, how do you just have so much to write about? It's like, because I got to get it all out. (laughs) Right. And they call that a brain dump. Yeah. And it's just, it is, I look forward to it. It's, it's my favorite time of day. I love waking up early. I love having the quiet and the solitude. And I love having that time to uncover everything about myself. I do too. I really love it too. It is my favorite, favorite time. It's magical actually. It's magical. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. It's wonderful. Um, so, all right. So now we, you know, this is great. We've been on for a while. So I'm gonna, we're going to wrap, wrap things up here. And uh, can you share where the listeners can uh, find you? 
Oh, you can find me everywhere. You can go to uh, creativeknittingmagazine.com backslash newsletter. Find me there every three weeks, or you can get me in your inbox that way if you sign up. You can open up an issue of Creative Knitting and find me in there. You can visit my website at uh, tabithahedrick.com and um, keep up to date on all of my escapades, and there are many. Um, And then you can also see uh, some of my work with Sweet Georgia by visiting sweetgeorgiayarns.com. That's great. Um, And I was going to say, Tabitha, you've been on the Morning Cooldown several times. Morningcooldown.com, which is my... uh, my other podcast is, you know, it's all about morning stuff and, and, and then some. So we, yes. you can tell we love morning. That's um, right. <laughs> but yeah, so you want to hear, you know, kind of dig, dig deep, dive in kind of episodes. Uh, you can check some of those out. And all you have to do is when you go to morningcooldown.com and in the search box, you just type in Tabitha Hedrick and you'll see all those episodes pop up. Yes, you find me everywhere, everywhere. Well, thank you for joining me, Tabitha. This was awesome. Thank you so much for letting me. I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed that episode and that you felt really inspired by Tabitha's journey into knitwear and her wonderful advice. And as I said, I love to call her my sidekick in crime as we work together on Creative Knitting Magazine. Tabitha writes tutorials and and she covers other timely topics as they relate to the magazine. And so it's just a joy to work with her. I feel really blessed to have this relationship. So thank you so much, Tabitha. I value you so much. And another thing I didn't mention in this episode is that Tabitha also has an Annie's video class called Classic Cables for Beginners. You can check her class out by going to anniesonlineclasses.com And they will also be in the show notes for this episode. So you can find them that way as well. And before you go, I do have a favor to ask. And that is if you could hop on over to iTunes and leave me an honest review and rating for the podcast, because this would really help help me make the show better and to, you know, cover topics that you're really looking for. And also the reason I ask is because This is a big one too, because it really does help the show rank high in iTunes. And you may be wondering, well, why is that, you know, so important? Well, the reason is is that the higher it ranks in iTunes, the more it's going to reach other people. It's going to reach, you know, many knitters. And that's my ultimate goal is to, to reach as many people as I can so I can help benefit, you know, as many knitters as possible. And also the podcast is totally free and it always will be. So I just want you to know that because I have nothing to gain by asking you to do this other than that it will fulfill my wish to help others. So if you could hop on over to iTunes and search for Power Pearls Podcast and you'll be able to leave a review there or go to the, sh- to the main homepage, powerpearlspodcast.com and you cannot miss that button. It's pretty prominent right on the homepage. So thanks again. And I'll see you next time.